Hi, everybody. Welcome to No Country. My name is J. David Osborne. That is Chris Sacknesum. Sir, how are you this evening? I'm well, David. I'm very well. I've had another interesting day. Um, I was playing my metal drum, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, I do from time to time. And I learned a very good little lesson, which is uh, not sort of apropos of uh, much that we're going to be talking about. But, um, you know, People may know it's it's like a a, a handpan, but you're playing it with mallets, uh, and it's tuned. It's mine's tuned to the pygmy scale uh, in the key of F, um, but it's very very easy to fall into the habit when you're playing alone to start imagining that you're uh, creating melody lines. Which is, and you can, you can, of course. But then I started playing along to um, a musician that I like a lot, John Hassel, who is a kind of ambient, interesting world music trumpet player. Uh, he has some very, very, an interesting body of work. And it was so amazing to figure, you know, to start falling instantly into kind of an ensemble sort of uh, situation mm-hmm. with that. And much more satisfying, much more interesting musically, and just a cool vibe to to be playing along, you know, with with someone. Um, and it's a it's a beautiful. Uh, I love this music. It's it's very very thought provoking, and it was just easy, you know. It just it came naturally to suddenly uh, be playing a rhythm instrument and not trying to be creating a melody structure and oh I think well that's, you were you were you're falling into the like humanity of the whole thing well exactly all the, all the art that we have and all the thoughts that we have about what our art is going to do you're tapping into something very primal which is art in its original sense where you are coming upon uh, people at a fire everybody's playing an instrument and here comes chris with his drum and everybody says yes you know come in here do what you got to do and it's keyed to the tuna F, and you guys just start jamming. Yeah, and it's that that jam sense, that ensemble sense is, you know, I think that's what we're really all looking for as artists, or as just as people. You know, it, mm-hmm. it it's a very lonely thing, this idea of of the solo idea, um, and it's so you know ego rigid and not connected and. Ultimately, I think pretty fragile. Whereas when you get involved in some sort of collaborative rhythm, uh, there's a robustness to it, isn't there? Mm. That, that really, yes. um, and, and it's shareable beyond that. So the campfire circle kind of expands metaphorically. And I think that's, uh, you know, kind of what the nature of uh, maybe the whole human story is. So that was my day. That was my insight for the day. That's great. I love that. That's awesome. Well, you want to hear about my week? Tell me, tell me. (laughs) So we uploaded our last episode. I did it from a hotel room because uh, my power went out. So on Monday, Oklahoma experienced the beginnings of an historic ice storm. I think it is the la- like the big the second biggest ice storm in Oklahoma history and it came at the tail end of October highly unusual. So I have never seen an ice storm like that. I've been in tornadoes as we've discussed before. Um I've been in high winds, I've been in horrible rainstorms, uh earthquakes, all of it, but I've never seen something quite as creeping and eerie as an ice storm. So this thing began on Monday. And what happens is the ice, uh, I'm sorry, the rain falls very gently through a layer of the atmosphere that cools it to such a degree that once it hits the ground, it turns immediately into ice. So we're not talking about a torrential downpour of ice, which would also be scary. What we're talking about is this very relaxed, almost idyllic looking drizzle falling from the sky. So everything is gray, slate gray. And there is this just gentle rain of ice coming down all through Monday. I call my landlord and say, have you guys ever lost power in this house? 
And he said, I, you know, he bought the house six years ago. He said, I've lost power once and it was for maybe four hours. So you should be fine. And I say, okay. So it keeps going. It keeps going. My wife and I wake up on Tuesday morning and you can just hear all over the neighborhood, these cracks, these gunshot style pops. And what's happening is that tree branches right. are being weighed down by this ice to such an extent that the branches are actually snapping off of the trunks. And in some cases, I saw later, as I was driving around the neighborhood, actual trees splitting in half from this. And the eeriness that comes in is that there is no powerful, mean, evil storm that's bringing these trees down. It is just a continue, like a 48-hour, continuous, slow drip. Almost like water torture, right? Like waterboarding or something. You know, just right, like a drip yeah. of water that drives you crazy. Um, so everything would be quiet. There aren't, you know, trees uh, uh, collapsing left and right. It's every 10 minutes or so, you'll hear a snap. And then that tree is coming down. So Tuesday morning, I load up my washer with some clothes. I'm doing some dishes and finally the power goes out. So a tree has fallen on some sort of line and has made it so that Rios and I are going to have to abandon ship basically. So we get a hotel and we think, oh, you know, the power, the power is out. No big deal. Um, today, as of today, November 1st, when we are recording this, I got a message from OG&E, which says that power will not be restored to my house until Friday, which will be a 12-day power outage. So I emailed you and I said, what a great idea for an episode. We can talk about electricity, right? Sound good? It does sound good. And, you know, it's so interesting, you know, the way language works that the more we're surrounded by certain words, the less, you know, attention we pay. And when we really pay a lot, power, you know, think about that. What we mean, we mean power in so many different ways. We use that word all the time. But when the power is out, you really know it, don't you? You're dealing with that right now. This is Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I thought about that so intensely. I thought about the fact that once the power went out on Tuesday, the house begins to get cold. You know, it's below freezing. And then I think, oh, well, I'll just go, you know, check something on my phone. And of course, the Wi-Fi is down. <laughs> so now I'm on the network and I'm looking at my battery and I'm at 60%. And I'm thinking, oh, this whole thing that we have set up is so wildly unsustainable. One little branch falling on one little wire and your whole life is upended. You know, I have clients that I've had to, you know, message from cafes to say, hey, uh, can we move things back a week or so, right? Like that's, that's my business. Um, and many so other wild. people's. I mean, think how fragile mm -hmm. the whole cultural system is mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly yeah especially now that we've all moved on to zoom i can't imagine being somebody who is expected to be at a zoom meeting at a certain time and having to type in through your phone which is rapidly dying that you're not going to be there right you would have to just send out a like an sos normally it's an sms right but it would be an sos i i I don't know what to do here. I have no power. Well, it's an interesting statement about the nature of, of civilization, um, or to use the German spelling, civilization, you know, in, in like the, the developed nation sense. I mean, <laughs> there are people, you know, on the 141st Meridian East in, in New Guinea, they're not fussed about electricity <laughs> their life doesn't stop because they don't have any they don't they're not going to be part of that because to some extent that that's their argument they said you're just you know total totally you know vulnerable you know um and i think that 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 you have to say that's really the case that we have become totally vulnerable in terms of 
uh, our totally. dependence, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the feeling of hopelessness that you have, I mean, all that my wife and I could do was go to a hotel where, once again, they had power. <laughs> it really does put it into stark terms how completely helpless you are when your electricity goes out. So I had a lot of thoughts about electricity in general. I think it's a very interesting uh, sort of almost mystical presence. I think, so tell me this off the top of your head. Do we, do we completely understand what electricity is? I might be ignorant of this. Uh, no, no, we, we, we don't, we don't. Um, and I, I think first of all, that there's, uh, there's absolutely no reason to, uh, draw a distinction between the mystical side of electricity and any understanding of it in physical terms. I mean, there has always been this blurring of, of lines. I mean, fiat lux, let there be light, you know. Uh, William Blake saying energy is eternal delight. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Whitman, Walt Whitman, good old Walt. I mean, there's someone who's down to earth. I mean, you know, a nice sort of you know, mm -hmm. Brooklyn printer, you know, I sing the body electric is the way, you know, his great pin to the, the human body, um, which interestingly enough, uh, I don't know if people actually know that it, it's that poem is also noteworthy for references to slave auctions, which is very unusual um, for Whitman to talk directly about that. A lot of people have forgotten about that. But no, you're absolutely uh Correct in saying that there are a lot of things that we we don't understand about electricity, even with the the tremendous input of of Benjamin Franklin. Uh, we're not sure about that 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 mythical sort of kite in the thunderstorm experiment. By the way, um, mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. think that is more of a, a thought experiment, but it was followed up on with with real lightning rods, and he he is credited with. Uh, inventing or giving us the, that idea of the lightning rod. He gave us the the concept of positive and negative charge. I mean, when you think about, you know, think about your, your car, you know, is that a six volt or a 12 volt battery, you know? Uh, right, right. Uh, the conservation of charge. And he gave us the idea of electrical grounding, you know, which is kind of important if you're waiting around a, a flooded basement, you know? You mm, kind of mm -hmm. want to think about... Um, yeah, well, maybe some insulation here. Um, right. But, you know, think of, of James Clerk Maxwell. I mean, in 1865, that was the year the Civil War ended. You know, think about mm -hmm. this woman. He came up with a dynamical theory of the electromagnetic field which amongst other things really sort of put forward the idea in physics terms of, of fields, field theory. But tell me that's not a mystical, magical idea. I mean, anything that you read in that line, that's absolutely magical and mysterious mm, still. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the Tesla, Tesla was another one who was a total weirdo half mystic, half scientist. Um, I put my, my cell phone in a Faraday bag every night to keep it from emitting radiation. Um, but Faraday was another one, like the well, idea of a Faraday cage. Maxwell was uh, 40 years uh, Faraday's junior and studied under him. Uh, I mean, th these were the people creating the entire frame of reference that we have now of linking electrical, optical, and radio technologies. I mean, the idea of radio waves was was came out of Maxwell's equations, and he, that directly follows in the line of Faraday. I mean, it's the idea of light being an electromagnetic phenomenon. Is that's the point of view of, of, of physics, absolutely. But light is is absolutely a psychological, cultural, spiritual phenomenon, you mm -hmm. know? Think of it, you know, from the Christian point of view, I am the light of the world. I mm. mean, I mm -hmm. am the electromagnetic phenomenon of the world. That's how you sort of transpose <laughs> those two ideas, right? A bit less, less poetic, but nonetheless the same. 
essentially. Absolutely. Um, it's all mixed in. It's all one meditation, you know? Mm-hmm, it's too mm-hmm. fundamental a thing. I have uh, some quotes, actually, because when I think of electricity, when I was conceiving of this episode, the first artist who came to my mind was, of course, David Lynch, who uses electricity a lot, from Eraserhead all the way up to Twin Peaks, The Return. He's always been fascinated by electricity, you know? And you'll see whenever something sinister is happening uh, in a David Lynch movie, lights will begin flickering. You'll hear the electronic buzz, of, yes. like that, that static crackle. Yes. So he's always, he's always had this obsession. And in Twin Peaks The Return, it turns out, although in typical Lynch fashion, it's a bit obtuse, that electricity is the gateway between our world and the next one. Um. So he was asked what fascinated him about electricity, and I have two quotes here, but this one was very specifically responding to a question that was asked at a screening of his film, Inland Empire, which, have you seen that film? Yes, yes. It's great. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so, it's so good. It's, by the way, <laughs> listeners, if, if you are listening to this right now, um, Inland Empire has no distribution in the US. Because of that, it is available for free on YouTube in its entirety. So you can go watch it for free, which I recommend. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, far uh-huh. out. Okay. Yeah, he, he's had a hell of a time getting it distributed for whatever reason. But so oh, here's I the quote. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think we do, right? It's 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 three hours of Lynch being Lynch. Um so someone asks him what fascinates you about electricity, and he says, the fact that it controls us. I don't know why all people aren't fascinated with it. It makes beautiful sounds. It makes a lot of times some incredible light. It runs many things in our world and it's beautiful. It's sometimes dangerous, but it's magical. It's such a power and it can make some beautiful images and also sounds. So here's the second quote, which is separate from that one, but is on the same subject. I don't understand electricity. There are things that come into the home, you know, Things that are built or created outside the house, which all speak about the time and about the life. And then, if something goes wrong with those things, or if they're not in good working order, it can mean something else too. Scientists don't understand electricity. They say it's moving electrons. But there's a certain point where they say, we don't know why that happens. I'm not a scientist, and I haven't talked to these guys that are into electricity, but it is a force. When electrons run down a wire, do they have that power? It's amazing. How did a plug or an outlet get to be shaped that way? And light bulbs, I can feel these random electrons, you know, hitting me. It's like when you go under power lines. If you were blindfolded and drove down a highway under those power lines and really concentrated, you could tell where they occurred. There's something very disturbing about that amount of electricity. They know these things now. A tumor grows in the head. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not, you know, whacking you. I love, I thought thought that was so great. I thought that was so great. Because it's something that I've thought about independently. When you go to Europe and you plug something in, it's two benign holes in a wall. Why in America does our outlet plug literally look like a human face would look if they put their finger in that outlet, right? It looks like somebody being shocked, doesn't it? It does. It does. It, uh, God, you know, that ties in with some, I, I've, I've been rereading uh, Darwin's uh, Voyage of the Beagle, you know, when he was still a, a, a young naturalist uh, and very, very observant um, before his whole program was to, uh, you know, cancel God, which is really what the origin of the species uh-huh. is, is so much about. But he describes this snake that he comes upon in the the deep bush forest of, of Argentina. And it's a kind of viper, but it's uh, it does make a rattle like a rattlesnake. And uh, he finds the face particularly just, you know, horrifying and shocking. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he says that it, it defines a new scale of hideousness Mm. Um, but I think it's interesting about that, you know, the, the idea that we, we do see, we project our own, you know, 
consciousness into all our creations. Um, mm. And maybe there mm. is something about that in terms of not just a face, but, but a face that's been shocked, a kind mm. of, uh, I mean, I think there is something very, very odd about that. Um, it also makes me think of uh, when uh, a friend of mine, a, a young mother, the, one of the first things that she uh, uh, started doing when uh pretty early in her her young son's life was to mind the uh all of the electrical outlets you know she'd heard these stories about uh, kids the moment they were able to you know even not even toddler stage but you know they might sort of somehow stick something into a uh you know an outlet um have you ever gotten a serious electric charge by the way uh no I have not. I have. Um, I, I work briefly uh, on one of the thousand weird jobs that I had in, in earlier days. I was uh, I worked for a guy who was uh, setting up lamps. He was a wholesale lamp distributor. We were doing this giant show in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I happened to plug in this, this power board, you know, a huge power board. And... Um, I literally got blown into the wall. I mean, it was so <laughs> it was so staggering that uh, and I have it. I I've, later I I, uh, I I I wanted to know um, for and this sounds a little strange, but I did get tasered uh, by choice just to kind of find out what that feeling was. But I have to say the the incident in Phoenix, which was completely accidental. Uh, was was worse, and it was. I mean, I can actually feel all these years and decades later. Really, the muscle memory of that still comes back. Mm. It was mm-hmm. such a powerful, traumatic experience. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know when you mentioned electricity, I, I had a moment's thought about, uh, and this this now connects back. I, <laughs> To Roy Cleveland Sullivan. Does that name ring any bells? It does not. Who is that? He was known as the Spark Ranger. He worked as a park ranger in Shenandoah National Park. And he was hit by lightning seven times in his life and survived. Jesus. Two of his ranger hats with burn holes in them mm-hmm. are in uh, Guinness Book of World Records museums or Ripley's Believe It or Not museums. Um, and oddly enough, <laughs> I don't know, this this makes me laugh. This says something terrible about me, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he ended up dying by a self-inflicted gunshot wound suicide. Which, oh, wow. Isn't that odd, having survived? <laughs> I mean, having survived all that, well, I mean, he was just, you know, it wasn't meant to be at that time, you know, nobody was going to kill him, but him. I I just think that there, there might be a a story. I don't know why I've never written anything about, about Roy. I think he deserves maybe an opera or something. Uh, You know, here he gets struck by a lightning seven times, survives, and then ends up, you know, killing himself by his own hand. But I mean, so what we're talking about with electricity is something that runs across the entire human experience. I mean, it is the Promethean fire, you know, in mythical religious terms. It is mm-hmm. uh, Blake's, you know, eternal delight of energy. It is the fiat lux. It is the, the Christian light of the world. It is the kundalini divine energy. I mean, there is no... Um, culture that doesn't have some connection with this sense of energy. And then we move, you know, into supposedly uh, the more tangible world of physics. And there's nothing really more tangible about it. It's some, we're able to manipulate it perhaps a bit, but it's still mm-hmm. just as mysterious. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. You're, you're talking about like the serpent, sort of reminds me of a uh, Manly P. Hall quote 
Are you familiar? You're familiar oh, with yes. Manly P. Hall. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, okay. So for the listeners who don't know, Manly P. Hall, born in 1901, died 1990, which by the way, what a life like to see all that change. Um, is sort of famous for founding the, uh, the Philosophical Research Society in 1928. And then about six years later, he published his most famous book, which is called The Secret Teachings of All Ages, right? Uh, as a side note, he is uh, uh, sort of known and reviled by the Masonic community because he was a 33-degree Mason who also came out with a book called The Secret Teachings of the Masons and sort of just blew their shit wide open. <laughs> he's, he's sort of He sort of spilled the beans, right? Um, which is a funny side note, when my power went out, I'm friends with someone who's a senior warden at the local Masonic Lodge, and he offered to take my meat that was in my freezer and put it in the Masonic Lodge's meat freezer. So shout out, shout out to the Illuminati, man. Like they, they showed up, like the Illuminati showed up when I needed him. Um, but so he, in the secret teachings of all ages, he has this quote about well, he's talking largely about the image of the serpent and, and its meanings throughout time, commonly symbolized by the serpent because of its motion. Electricity passing between the poles of a spark gap is serpentine in its motion. Force projected through atmosphere was called the great snake. Being symbolic of universal force, the serpent was emblematic of both good and evil. Force can tear down as rapidly as it can build up. The serpent with its tail in its mouth is the symbol of eternity. For in this position, the body of the reptile has neither beginning nor end. The head and tail represent the positive and negative poles of the cosmic life circuit. The initiates of the mysteries were often referred to as serpents, and their wisdom was considered analogous to the divinely inspired power of the snake. There is no doubt that the title Winged Serpents parentheses, the seraphim, was given to one of the invisible hierarchies that labored with the earth during its early formation. So what he's doing there that I think is so interesting is, con is connecting electricity with a kind of almost angelic force, right? And I was wondering if there's stuff that we could unpack with that particular quote. Well, I, you know, it, in a way, I think that um, the idea of a circuit is such a beautiful idea. And think about how, you know, dependent we are on the integrated circuit we call the microprocessor. You know, that kind of, of, of thinking, that kind of innovation. Uh, but it's always been there in that primal sense with electricity, isn't it? I mean, the, that, that sense of the, uh, of the circuit. And in the circuit and the serpent there, I like that it goes up to sort of uh, the angelic sort of side of things, which, um, you know, that's kind of going back to, uh, you know, the idea of the great chain of being, um, which, you know, starts with this, you know, the the heavens and the seraphim and the cherubim and works its way down to humanity mm -hmm. and then down down mm -hmm. the level and of course uh lamarck before well before darwin you know flipped the whole ladder on its on its head and it things are rising up that yep, way yep, yep. but of course the whole ladder is this energy movement and electricity being the most tangible form of that uh i mean i'll I was always amazed as a kid and, and it's, you know, when you could be walking on some carpet and you touch something and you suddenly go, oh, geez, you know, I mean, that still is kind of an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, how, how would you unpack that quote? I mean, how, how do you, what do you see going on? Because if we're talking about energy being something that moves from, the profoundly metaphorical, mythical, mystical, magical, to then the profoundly mathematical, statistical, physical, uh, and is the linking thread the whole way. Um, how, how do you see that unpacking? Well, I think that, <laughs> I mean, I think that what this is saying is that electricity is 
as close to God as we might actually get. Um, I think that there is a meeting point of mathematics and science and mysticism and shamanism. And that meeting point is in electricity, basically, because we are electrical beings. I know that now it's a bit unfashionable to think about people's energies, you know, talking about when you meet somebody and you feel a weird energy coming from them. That's all looked at very skeptically, as is uh, things like, um, oh, what do they call uh, Acupuncture, right? Ac- acupuncture. And chakras. And chakras yeah. and things like that. And auras, being able to see people's auras. Um, I personally am a believer in all those things. I think that those have a lot of validity. And I think that the melding of the holistic and the allopathic is is very important in creating a, 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 well, to use the same word again, a holistic science of medicine, because we, we are energetic, you know, it's not all this sort of base, gross material matter interacting with each other. There's this thing called electricity, which we still to this day don't entirely understand, which is this linking force between the two. And I, I think that the way that people used to worship the sun which forms another form of electricity, I think. I'm not getting that wrong. Um, people should maybe be worshiping uh, electricity today in a similar way. It is a magical, divine property of life. And when we turn on a light, every time we turn on a light, we should we should feel some kind of gratefulness. This is maybe just me as a person who has not had the ability to turn on a light switch and have my light come on or press a button and have my house become heated. Um, it's something that we become very accustomed to and expecting of. And I think it's maybe every once in a while we get something like this where a very gentle, terrifying ice storm comes in and knocks out power for almost two weeks that reminds us, hey, you're lucky you need to show me a little bit of respect here because if this power goes out, everything's done. You know, like what a, what a fine, what a fine point we're on as a society. Well, you know, I mean, you think about it, you know, from the, from the sort of the science fiction sort of point of view, if the aliens come down and they're hostile, what do they do? They're going to shut down our power. Do you ever see the old twilight Correct. zone episode, the monsters are due on Maple street. That, you know, I that's have, the first thing that happens. Where it's the people the whole time that are just manipulating, or not people, but some kind of force is manipulating the the the, the neighborhood to, to lose yeah, its power. Yeah, right? and we see them at the end. There are these two sort of hokey aliens. But up to that point, it, it's quite a sinister, uh, interesting sort of, uh, you know, McCarthy era, or, uh, you know, maybe not so far away in time, an allegory about uh, mm-hmm. us versus them within the community, because everyone loses the... People turn on each other right. so fast, uh, right? The aliens mm-hmm. knock everyone's power off, and then suddenly one house, lights, their lights come on, and it's like, oh, well, why did your lights come on? You know, and it's it's a very, it's a little uh-huh. bit too, uh, too true to human nature that way. Um I mean, it's there's there's no question about uh, you know the the dependence on that, and I think that maybe what's happened uh, to you. I know it's been inconvenient, but you know, inconvenience can be a great teacher uh, to to sort of remember yeah. you know some gratitude that way about uh, you know where the where where the power comes from that way. Um, I mean, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I live not too far from uh, Hoover Dam, and if uh, people ever, you know, can travel uh, widely again and you haven't been to uh, the Las Vegas area, I really recommend uh, the Hoover Dam as a place to visit. It's um, it's one of the last of the great, you know, really collaborative uh, civil engineering exercises that America has undergone. I mean, it was done back in the 30s. It took... Uh, the, the cooperation, I think, of seven states at least, um, you know, this amazing thing. But you get to see the, the, the whole sort of – and there are some really cool models that, uh, that show you the whole ins and outs of this, you know, managing the Colorado River uh, as this, you know, dynamic 
female physical mystical force and turning that into electricity in people's houses. And the part that I really love about it is that um, the diagrams that show you how electricity, when it's uh, transported across, uh, you know, several miles, you can do that effectively at very, very high voltage, very high voltage. It travels mm -hmm. better. Mm. But, of course, <laughs> in order to make it safe, to enter, you know, your house, uh, you need step-down transformers. And I love, I mean, I, now when I walk around my street, I, I, I look around, I go, you know, these, these metal boxes, and I know that that's what mm -hmm. they are. And it occurred to me mm -hmm. that it, to some extent, while artists may be amplifiers of certain kinds of energy, you know, we... At, as artists, you and I like to think maybe we're we're amplifying certain things, and and maybe we are. We you know I'm sure we are to some extent, but maybe also mm -hmm. we're step down transformers, and we're managing some you know dangerous amount of voltage, the kind of thing that could blow you through walls or make your face look like you know a, a viper with this on the scale of hideousness <laughs> and shock. Maybe step-down mm -hmm. transformers are kind of a better model for artists of, of getting electricity so it can actually be manageable, you know, in your wall, in your house, around your family, your kids, your dog, you know. What do you think about that as an mm -hmm. idea? Oh, I love that. I love that as a metaphor. Um, and it might not even be a metaphor, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it might be a real thing. I know that when I'm writing and I'm really you know, hot on something that I'm writing, I feel a lot of uh, sort of, there's a kind of adrenaline that kicks in when you're really tapping into something. And something that writers don't like to talk about is that when you're in the zone and you are writing something that's super hot, it does feel kind of like a mystical experience, which I've had outside of the writing world uh, through the use of psychedelics, through, you know, taking cold showers, because uh, I can, you can get so cold that it becomes psychedelic. Is that true for you? I don't oh, know oh I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you oh. can get to these places that are, that are intensely psychedelic. And so I know what I'm talking about. And sometimes when you're really in it, you do feel like you are communing with something that's a bit higher than yourself. And you are putting that into words, and when you do it correctly, you are the, a sort of conduit of this greater electrical force that is coming through you. So it's not that far of a stretch for me to think that, that we are kind of, you know, doing that thing, like in the film Back to the Future, when uh, Marty is trying to, you know, at the climax of the film, when he has the little yeah, hook right. on the back of the DeLorean, <laughs> and he's trying to hit it. And Doc Brown is trying to reconnect that that big cord that's on the clock tower so that when the lightning hits it, the electricity runs through it. And he does it just in time. And the electricity runs through it in these glorious 80s special effects, right? And it hits him and he kind of flows back. I feel like as a writer, we do that kind of thing all the time where we're making these connections and you can get hit by this electrical rush. I've had to stop writing before, not because I ran out of gas or I was, you know, uh, just not feeling what I was doing, but because it was that intense. It can be that intense. Look, I hear you before you, you know, not even running out of gas, running out of juice, running out of, of electricity, you know, right? Yeah. Right. Well, right. you know, I, I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things that uh, is across this whole subject of where electricity you know, we felt electricity in the air. You know, you, you hear that expression. Well, thank God there isn't, mm -hmm. you know, when there is static electricity, you really sort of know it and you may not want that sort of feeling. Um, one of the most amazing um, experiences uh, I, I think in my whole life was I, I actually think I encountered what is known as ball lightning. 
um, which is, mm. you know, it, it's an unproven, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, to document it. There, there, there is photographic evidence now, uh, but it's been talked about, you know, down, down throughout history. Uh, it is very, very rare. And, and where I happen to see it was in a, in the, on Easter Island, no less, uh, amongst the Moai, you know, the, the giant, um, statues there which is about as sort of bizarre a place talk about psychedelic i mean and i mean oh, yeah. that's about at the edge of my <laughs> psychedelic perimeter I, that was about as much as i could take but i think what we're talking about with electricity is something that is so near to the point where metaphor and physicality become one you know, so you're that idea you mentioned that this is as close to the God idea as possible. I think you're right, you know, and uh, electrical engineers, you know, people who are really working with circuit boards and, you know, really getting into the physical mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. they, they have a lovely expression that I like called, you know, something soldered in, you know. Mm. This is no mm. metaphor. They're talking about something, a soldering iron. They're talking about something that's really, you know, in tangible embodied physical form of this mysterious magical energy. So maybe what we're you know, talking about here is something that, that really crosses the entire spectrum of all human perception, cognition, and imagination. Isn't it possible? You know? Yeah, I think so. No, I think so. I think 100%. And I think that it's so interesting that electricians are these kind of gruff, working class, blue collar dudes who, if you were to see them on the street or talk to them, you wouldn't think there's anything kind of necessarily special going on with them. This is the arrogance of, you know, the, the, the position of people who like to think, you know, they, they look at these people walking around and, you know, they say, oh, well, that person has dirt on their hands, so they couldn't possibly know something that I don't know. But it's my contention, being the friend of several electricians, that there is something going on with them in an almost uh, Buddhist monk-type sense, right? I've, I've had several conversations with electricians where you get to a point and it's basically them saying it's the sound of one hand clapping, <laughs> right? They can't necessarily articulate, not by virtue of their intellect, but, but by virtue of the phenomena that they're discussing, they can't quite tell you what's going on, but they understand it. They know what the God needs. They know what the God is looking for. They know the wires to connect and the, the poles to shimmy up and the directionality of these kind of forces um, in a way that I'm, to be honest, slightly envious of. I wish I had that kind of connection to electricity in the way that they do. Not necessarily so that I could go and fix my own electrical problems, which I wouldn't do. Funny story, I, I saw the electrical wire that came undone from the uh, the falling tree in my yard, and I looked at it, and I thought to my, and I saw where it would connect, and I thought to myself, I could fix that. I can do that. And I told Rios this, uh, my wife, and she said, stay oh, the fuck inside the house. Like, do not do that. I'm like, but I could, I could do it. I could plug it back in. She, no. She said, absolutely not. Because she's 100% correct, as she usually is. Um, but she was 100% correct, as she usually is, because I don't know the force that I'm dealing with, right? And I want to connect that back to art a little bit. Um, who is it that you and I connect with and respond to more than these kind of blue collar shamans when it comes to art, right? People who don't try to pontificate too uh, effusively about what, what it is they're doing and people who also don't talk a lot about it because the electricians that I know don't bring up their profession in casual conversation. You're not talking to, so, the same thing with my friends who are mechanics, right? You know, if you talk about a car, you've, you've triggered them. You have opened the floodgates and they're gonna tell you everything about why a Chevy 
is better than a Ford. This is getting way out of my depth, but I know these people and I've been in this situation and I know. The same thing with electricians. If you bring up something electrical that's wrong in your house, they're gonna get deep into the weeds about how you fix that and what you don't do and what you should do. Uh, the same could be true for a lot of writers that you and I respect, right? If somebody were to bring up to us the concept of writing, you know, crack a couple of beers because you're going to be sitting there for a few hours listening to us talk about what we think. But at the same time, there's a kind of humble distance and respect from this kind of thing that I think that we interact with where we also recognize the almost paranormal uh, spiritual power of what it is that we're doing and we stay away from it unless we're genuinely engaging with it in a respectful way, which is what electricians do. They put on the uniform, they put on the proper thing, and they go out when they're, when they're told. I'm sure if they're approaching a downed power line, they do that with a certain level of respect. You know, they, they are aware of their environment. They're not just charging in headlong to let everybody know that they are an electrician and they have control over this. One thing that I've noticed with electricians is they don't talk about their profession as though they necessarily have a handle on it. Is what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, I think that you know the, part of the the of the survival strategy is, is to uh, you know to never turn your back on 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 the power. You know, there's Correct. a real sense of of being very, very uh, shy uh, around the energy, you know, because they know how dangerous it can be. At the same time, you know, I, I think it is interesting, uh, you know, earlier we talked about, um, you know, August Strindberg, the, the great uh, Swedish playwright, you know, going crazy in Paris. And I was mentioning that, you know, he was obsessed with this idea that infernal electricians you know, God knows what he was imagining, uh, were harassing him mm -hmm. through the walls. And it, as it turns out, there, there, that was not entirely his own sort of issue, that as electricity began to be something that was working its way through uh, the culture. Uh, and we, had the, we saw the same thing with, with telephone uh, repair people. There's a sense of like, well, they have this kind of strange, potentially sinister power, you know? Um, and and right. we don't, we don't quite know what they're doing. Uh, uh, the technicians, they're always this sort of, uh, you know, think, remember Robert De Niro in, in the movie Brazil, he's the, you know, the freelance sort of guerrilla plumber, you know? We have this kind of weird respect uh, anxiety, fear over over the technicians. But uh, what I think about, you know, when, when you're talking about your respect for the electricians that you know, to me there's something really sort of beautiful about here they are actually working with electricity by definition as their job day to day, making it work for other people, giving, making power happen. That's what you're waiting on, mm -hmm. you know, and they're completely removed, you know, from Maxwell's differential equations, which, you know, prompted Einstein seriously to, you know, really think about, uh, both theories of relativity, but particularly special relativity with uh, dealing specifically with the speed of light problems that Maxwell's equations created. That seems like another sort of world, doesn't it? And yet it's, it's mm -hmm. absolutely connected to use an electric, you know, uh, word. It's absolutely connected to the, the kind of electricians that you're talking about. I think there's something beautiful in that circuit of, of someone, you know, going day to day out in a van with a certain set of tools to make sure that people, you know, have lights on, lights on, you know? Right. Have, have power. It's amazing. I mean, and it's amazing really that it takes some sort of break in the wires some sort of interruption of service for us to appreciate that. I, I wonder if, um, you know, maybe that's, 
is that what civilization needs now? Some great interruption of service to make us really appreciate what's going on. Yeah. Ooh, that's a big question. You know, I mean, where we're at right now, I mean, everybody's on, you know, Twitter and Facebook or, you know, all these different social media platforms. And I think a break would be good because I think that we're not necessarily capable of, you know, stopping ourselves. I think a, a metaphor of being in a casino and gambling your life away and then the power goes out in the casino and they say, hey, look, sorry, but uh, power's out for about a week. You know, that kind of circuit breaker might be effective in keeping people from gambling their lives away, which is what I sort of see with a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. Like, we all need to kind of step away. And that makes me think of, you know, an encounter with the divine can be good in in short doses, right? But if we're thinking of electricity as a divine force, and it's just been something that's become ubiquitous, right? And any god, if it feels like it's being disrespected or, God forbid, you know, gods forbid, taken advantage of or looked over, it might start to turn itself against people, you know, just to make sure that we realize that it's a thing that really exists. And couldn't that be, you know, what's happening with electricity right now? You know, you've had me for a hundred years and now you all go about your lives uh, without even saying thank you when the burner turns on on your stove. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a little rum might be nice. Well, it's interesting. Right. I mean, there's no sense of, of magical thankfulness at all. And we can't even really appreciate the humans, you know, like Maxwell, like Benjamin Franklin. And just, I was just thought about Benjamin Franklin's commitment to Freemasonry. He was he was quite a senior ranking Mason. So, I mean, we can't even thank mm -hmm. the, the, the human beings involved, let alone embrace you know, the, the, the amazing force, the, the actual energy source it is itself. Um, somewhere in that, you know, I, I thought about um, uh, L. Frank Baum, you know, who wrote the, uh, the Oz books. Um, he has a lovely mm -hmm. book, which um, some of his, he wrote quite a bit, actually. A lot of people don't know, but he wrote an interesting collection of books, uh, a collection called The American Fairy Tales, which I, I recommend, but there's a book that um, is is a really wonderful. It, he calls it an electric fairy tale. It's it's called the Master Key, and um, it's public. I have it here. It, it, it's it's um, published by Dover Books, who is one of my favorite uh, publishing companies. They do a lot of beautiful old historical books, a special interest books, um, but it's a it's a lovely story that really is a fairy tale about electricity. It's like a popular science, popular mechanics sort oh, of wow. version cool. of that. And it was written at a time when there still was this immense fascination and appreciation and not everyone had power. You know, you might know mm -hmm. people in your mm -hmm. community that weren't on the grid you know, and it wasn't mm -hmm. like they were, you know, hiding from anyone. It just hadn't gotten to them yet, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, there's there's some really interesting things about, I mean, uh, uh, my first thought just uh, in the last couple of seconds was thinking about uh, South Africa and the townships, which many times there's not enough power to go around. So people tap into, you know, and they, they basically hijack the electricity and, and distribute it as mm -hmm. best they can. But right. in just in thinking about that, I, I believe I'm right that, you know, going back to the early days of, of hip hop in, in America before mm. it was even, called hip hop mm -hmm. and certainly before it was anything, you know, I'm talking about like the South Bronx days. I think that, that the idea was that, that abandoned buildings were sometimes taken over for parties 
and that somebody who was good with the technology, the kind of the electrician, would manage to hijack some electricity to to, to run right. the party, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, or maybe I, the electronics or the electricity wanted to go that way. Sorry well, to interrupt but, you, but I just I had to yeah, throw that in well, there. Uh, but isn't that interesting? That, that so it's electricity in that sense is really about getting the party started, and without that, I mean, it just it wouldn't be the same. And I think that mm-hmm. you know, again, it, it's something that that it, it crosses that line from being, you know, a, a conceptual metaphor, a poetic metaphor, a mythic metaphor to something absolutely physical and tangible and essential now you know and it's amazing yeah amazing yeah you brought up uh hip-hop so i was thinking a lot about you know electrical generation so i was at my buddy eric's house and we were talking about getting a generator which is gas powered but the gas is able to do something he was explaining to me where it spins magnets to create an electrical charge something to that effect uh, sorry to all the science scientists who are listening to this. Uh, I, I don't fucking know. But that and the idea of, of rap made me think of the classic song Miracles from the seminal American hip-hop group Insane Clown Posse. Um, <laughs> Bless their heart. <laughs> and they have a song. It's become a bit of a meme, right? Oh, but here are the lyrics from Miracles, right? It goes like this. Music is a lot like love. It's a feeling. And it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around. It's all astounding. Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking magnets. How do they work? And I don't want to talk to a scientist. Y'all motherfuckers are lying, getting me pissed. So (laughs) I just wanted to throw that out there and say, you know, we're not uh, elitists here, you know, but in a weird way, ICP, this group, got sort of brought through the ringer for this guy who's just a guy like you or me asking a very, I think, in a way, kind of profound question. You know, you look around, you see water, fire, air, and dirt, and then you see magnets. How does that shit work? You know, it's it's a weird spiritual force that we don't understand. And I I just, you know, Kind of a digression, but I wanted to just shout out to ICP for 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 you know having having the guts to admit I have no idea how this works, and I don't want to hear somebody explain it to me in math. Like, how does this actually work? Well, listen, I just want to say in in electrical terms, I think I'm dealing well with yep. the shock of being on a podcast that has included the mention of the insane clown posse. And, you know, and we've had Einstein and Walt Whitman and William Blake in here. I mean, we've, we've, we've covered, you know, we've, we've definitely covered some ground, but you know, I I was just tripped out about magnets when I was a kid, but here's the thing that's so easy to forget. We are living on a giant magnet <laughs> in space. I mean, that's where all the magic, the mystery, the strangeness comes from. We're, we live on a magnet. <laughs> I mean, that is so, yeah. so, well, how, how do you get your head around that ever? I mean, the fact that we can stop... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just being amazed by that mm-hmm. and, and go about mm-hmm. any kind of daily business uh, is a real wonder in itself. But And then when you think about the kind of business that we get up to so often, it's it's kind of sad, you know. I, uh, I, I, um, I, I'm going to, you know, hold myself, you know, to doing more tomorrow with this thought in mind of, you know, we're, we're on this amazing magnet on this journey through space. And we've got this electricity flying around. We really do. I have a responsibility to, uh, you know, um, but maybe the insane clown posse is all just part of that. Maybe that's kind of keeping us grounded, you know, grounded, that that's that's an electrical metaphor right there. It isn't is. It, it is. It, I mean, you if you a proven scientific 
exercise that people can do if they're ever feeling depressed is to take their shoes and socks off and go put your feet in some dirt. And it's called grounding. And what you're doing is you're aligning your electrical current with that which flows through the entire earth. This is when we get into spaces that feel very woo-woo, that feel very new age, but are fundamentally not, right? Things like the sun, things like the dirt and the earth, water, air, all these things, your breathing techniques, your, your relationship to water and, and how much you consume. These are all fundamentally important things in, in our current society, which is so enamored with pharmaceutical responses to everything. It's like, no, you have food, you have water, you have air, you have ground, you have fire. Work with those things, you know? Get, get a better relationship with those things. And just don't be out in the pool during the thunderstorm, though. That's Yeah, yeah don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, no. definitely don't, don't, get, don't get too... I was going to say as a joke, when I go back to my house on Friday and power is restored, I'm going to you know, praise the electrical gods by taking a fork and just sticking it right in that electrical outlet. Just, just to really, you know, you know, it's, it's the modern, uh, version of self-flagellation, right? That's that. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. Uh, like that's, that's not what you want to do. But, um, well, Chris, I think we've, uh, I think we've done an episode. What do you think? I think we have, I think we have, you know, and I, I was just, uh, it's funny how the mind works, you know, everything is, there's a circuit connecting everything. And I, I just had this strange phantom scent cross through my mind. And it was the smell of ozone, which is everyone knows is this, what you know, the air smells like after lightning, you know? after a lightning shock, you know, and that beautiful sort of, you know, transitional weather moment and how electricity, I mean, it comes down from the sky. I mean, how amazing, you know, it's just. Yeah, I was, I was uh, in El Paso in 2007. I was out there with my niece and nephew watching them play in a torrential downpour, which is kind of how El Paso works. El Paso never drizzles. It's either nothing or it's all coming down, right? So they're outside and they're they're kicking a soccer ball around. And then right there in the street, right in the intersection, we all saw a bolt of lightning hit dead center. And then the crack of thunder was immediate because of the proximity. It was right there. And it was one right. of the loudest things I've ever heard in my entire life. And luckily, neither of the kids got hit I don't know why it, the lightning chose to hit the, the surface of the earth rather than them. I don't know why the current of the electricity didn't travel through the standing inch of water that was, you know, pooling around their feet. Everybody was totally fine. But when I saw that, I thought, wow, that is just raw power. And it's happening all the time. And magical ceremony. Correct. Um, and I hope your power comes back on. I do too. Um, and you can get back to normal, but to maybe get back to normal with this sort of newfound sense of um, the uh, the importance of mm -hmm. it. You know, I, I, I live underneath, well, fortunately not directly underneath, but there's some major, major power lines uh, and whenever I walk past some, I, I realize there's a kind of, uh, and David Lynch would be right into this, you mm -hmm. know, because he really does uh, use that beautifully as a device. But there's almost like this hiss and crackle mm -hmm. uh, of like soap suds, you know, at the bottom of a bubble bath after the water's been let out, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's this sort of popping sound. So. It's good to be appreciative of this strange force because uh, we certainly do depend on it. But um, so take care. And uh, yeah, let me know when when the, the lights do come on, the light bulb, you know, coming on. Yeah, I certainly will. And in the meantime, 
If you have thoughts on electricity or anything that we've talked about on this show, please do email us at thebutterflyinyourmouth at at gmail.com. I'll say that again. Email us at thebutterflyinyourmouth at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm at BRBJDO. Chris is on Twitter at Chris Sacknessum, K-R-I-S-S-A-K-N-U-S-S-E-M. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.